This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. to So Circular, a sustainability radio show and podcast discussing waste reduction and circular economy. I'm Anthea Medill of Remix Plastic and this program is brought to you by The Rubbish Whisperer. Kia ora koutou katoa and welcome to episode 12 of So Circular. In this episode we will be discussing technology and how it can be used to create sustainable systems. But before we start, some good news. We have recently launched a new platform that is a free-to-use business environmental assessment. Uh, It's a simple survey that produces an action plan with easy-to-implement and cost-effective sustainable changes for organisations. And the link for that is on our website. Uh, And we are happy to have Helen Townsend from The Rubbish Whisperer with us today. Morena, Helen. Kia ora, Anthea. I'm looking forward to an interesting episode because we're pretty much going to talk about why you have hope for the future of the planet, which is nothing if not exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, so it's easy to see the news or like have a setback with your sustainability goals and feel like it's all too hard. Um, but if you do feel like that, then you won't feel empowered to actually do anything. And so I found my inspiration for a positive vision for the future when I learned about some of the ways that we can use technology to change the current linear systems. Well, if that's not going to make a good episode, I don't know what is. Although I suspect there'll be a lot of uh, terms that might be unfamiliar to people, including myself. Um, but as you've already explained them to me over and over, <laughs> you'll probably be fine explaining them again. Yeah, nothing like repetition, eh? Um, it was quite hard preparing this episode to figure out what to talk about because there is just so much to it. Um, But we'll just do what we can. (laughs) We'll cover what we can. Um, So as we've stated in other episodes, a circular system provides solutions for problems by designing out waste and pollution, keeping products and materials in use and regenerating natural systems. And so in this episode, we will discuss some of the ways that technology can be used to change the way that companies and communities can create sustainable systems and infrastructure. Uh, so when we think about sustainability, we usually think of like community gardens and buying secondhand and reducing waste, none of which are particularly high tech. Um, we often don't consider how zero waste and technology can intersect and be used to create systems on a larger scale. And I assume that generally this separation is because of the divergence of interests. So from my experience, zero waste people usually have concerns around things like e-waste and mining for minerals. Um, And tech people don't necessarily want to live zero waste lifestyles. So Helen, what do you think of when you think about technology and sustainability? Um, Well, I would always think about urban farming because I love it. Um, And like we talked about in the last episode on food waste. And of course, I would think about Zoom meetings. Ah, classic. (laughs) (laughs) There's got to be more than just Zoom meetings. Surely. So Zoom meetings are something that we all know about now and we should be doing more of them whether or not there's a pandemic. Yeah, and there are always meetings that can happen virtually or by phone, but because we're social creatures, there are definitely times when we need to meet in person. Um, So a society heavily reliant on technology can result in mental health issues. So we're not talking about all of us isolated in our houses on Zoom, just so we don't contribute to congestion or climate change. Yeah, and there's always a trade-off. So if we want the benefits of technology, we have to figure out how to manage them for our human lives. Um, And invasion of privacy is another potential risk, where we put our trust in tech companies to obey laws that we assume 
exist, <laughs> that we assume there are appropriate laws in place, but because governments move slower than businesses and politicians aren't tech people, then the laws tend to follow the problems. So Zoom is a good example of this as well, in that at the start of COVID lockdown, everyone was using Zoom until there were concerns raised about their security systems. Um, yeah, so I guess it's another good reason why we need to work across industries with sustainability and tech and politics all need to be working together. Mm. Um, and yeah, Zoom meetings is just one example of how we can use technology to change the way that we're doing things. Um, there's also other m- heaps of exciting opportunities. Okay, so tell me more about <laughs> something more interesting than Zoom. Okay, well, apps. <laughs> oh, there's lots of apps, Helen. I know. <laughs> there's an app for everything, apparently. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there's loads of amazing apps that are coming out that provide opportunities to reduce waste. And so um, one of these, which we've mentioned on the show before, actually, is Mutu. Yeah, Muto is a really exciting zero-waste way of reducing the consumption and production of goods, and obviously it can't exist without technology. Um, so it's a New Zealand app that connects users with stuff. So if you have power tools or sports equipment or a sewing machine that you only use occasionally, you can loan them out to other people for a fee so they don't don't have to buy their own. Yeah, and it's a... Um a perfect example of like a sharing economy platform uh, and it just basically links people together. A couple of other app examples include Foodprint which connects people um, with food that would be otherwise going to waste and Kogo are about to launch their new carbon footprint calculator app um, and even just simply like digitising things so that there's less printing and less waste. So an example of that is Eco Mailbox which is a platform that reduces uh, waste from promotional flyers. Yeah, although we have to remember that going digital still has a carbon footprint. So an email, this is really interesting, I didn't know this until yesterday, <laughs> email <laughs> is estimated to produce four <clears throat> grams of carbon. Um, and yeah. do you know how many billion unwanted emails are sent every day? Far too many. Far, far <laughs> too many. 7.1 billion unwanted emails every day, um, which results in 28,397 <laughs> tonnes of carbon, which is the same as three billion plastic bags. That's massive. Thank you, junk mail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I learned about this a while ago, and as soon as I learned about that, I went and unsubscribed from all of that. Because you know how you just have like a fallback email address that you put down... Yeah. when you sign up for things. Yeah. So I like, went through that. I was like, oh, I may need to stop this happening in the background. Um, yeah, so that's I should a do massive that. way to, yeah, take, it go, does wow. take ages. Yeah. <laughs> I find it. You've got to sit down it. for an evening. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so these are quite small examples of tech, um, and this can't be just what's making you feel positive about the future. So tell me about some of the big system things. Yeah, unsubscribing from emails isn't my main Yay! approach to saving the world. <laughs> That's saving your it's, day. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's so many things to talk about, but um, essentially technology and green energy gives us the opportunity to shift the current economic system. Okay, so technology <laughs> like the internet. Uh, provides rapid communication and digital systems, so we can use those to streamline logistics. And if we can power this with green energy, then a whole new world opens up. Uh, Yeah, so this idea is called the Third Industrial Revolution. Okay, so I know that the First Industrial Revolution moved manufacturing from workers' cottages to factories, and the Second Industrial Revolution streamlined manufacturing, which resulted in mass production. Yes, and this mass production resulted in the take-make-waste linear economy where we extract resources, churn them out into products and then produce heaps of waste. So the third industrial revolution is the digitisation of manufacturing and distributing goods and services. So this allows the reduction of energy and waste across the whole value chain. Um, 
and with this there are benefits for companies and consumers as well as the environment. Okay, cool. So we might need to unpack this. this a little. Okay. <laughs> so let's start with the internet. Okay. <laughs> what is the internet? So, no, not we're not going that basic. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so the internet connects us with information so that we can be informed and it also allows us to connect with other people. And that provides an opportunity to understand people from different backgrounds and have empathy and see that our situation isn't the same experience as everybody else's. So overall... The internet existing should be a good thing, okay? Yes, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I guess the internet allows us to see climate change effects that are happening around the world um, that we might not experience um, here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, the story of plastic, which is a documentary that was recently released, shows us how plastic from New Zealand is dumped in the developing world, which is not something that we see without the internet. Um so one idea that you've told me about lots of times <laughs> you tell me about again is yeah. the Internet of Things. Yes. So <laughs> so the Internet of Things is the extension of the Internet of Connectivity into physical devices and everyday objects. And so it's the concept that everything is embedded with a sensor and then this will allow us to design out waste and pollution. So, for example, your phone provides location data, which is then used to communicate like optimal routes on map apps. So Google can tell if there's heaps of people, like heaps of traffic at an intersection because of the number of phones sitting at that intersection. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then this idea can be used by logistics companies so they can have like real-time data on where their tr- trucks are and how full they are. And so then they could use that data to streamline their deliveries so that they don't just have like half-empty trucks driving around the country all the time. Which is great because it's going to reduce congestion and... Um Oh, lots of things. Lots of good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also it sounds like an ideal way to solve the problem of parcels being delivered when you're not at home, which is really annoying. <laughs> Your you pet then, peeve. Yeah, <laughs> you have to then drive all the way across town to the depot to pick it up, um, which of course is annoying and has increased fuel and air pollution from all of these wasted trips. Yeah, yep. So the key to this idea is like up-to-date information and so that then you can be informed for your decision making. So another example of this is um, a project that was, I think it was last year, here in Christchurch that was called Sensible. And so it's a device that every cyclist could have on their bike and they can give council feedback on their experience. So if they're at a corner and have a bad experience, they can hit this button and then that feeds back. And if heaps of people have a bad experience at that intersection, then the council can see that they need to do something about it. Cool, that's great. And of course you need lots of people involved um, so that they get enough data. Yeah. Um, So sometimes we think that technological changes are all going to be in the future. (laughs) Like jetpacks. (laughs) And I think maybe it's because we expect big changes like flying cars and jetpacks and protein pills and living on Mars. (laughs) (laughs) Like one day it's just going to wake up and that's going to be how it is. (laughs) And we don't notice how the small changes are already adding up to make the third industrial revolution now. Yeah, so that's one of the things that I got really excited about when I first learned about it is that all of this stuff is happening. Yeah. Like it's not being talked about like it needs to be done. Yeah. 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 Um, Cool. Okay, good. So what about green energy? Okay, so green energy technologies are cheaper overall because although you have to put in the initial cost to set them up, then sun and wind are both free. Um, And if you think about oil, then you have costs of infrastructure, extraction, transportation, and it requires like a centralised infrastructure. So solar and wind power can be set up anywhere and then shared across the grid. 
Yeah, so now we have to repeat what we say all the time on every show, (laughs) is that scale is the main environmental problem. So the huge numbers of people on the planet means that any environmentally friendly solution is still just an improvement on what we've got already. And what we've got already is some people having fossil fuel-based electricity and most people living in poverty. Yeah, it's not great. Not great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that's the thing with um, green energy, is that it generally costs less um, and then it is more accessible for poorer communities. Yeah. Um, and then following, following on from green energy costing less, that means that manufacturing and distributing products can cost less. And so while we don't want to produce more and more stuff, it does mean that we can use technology to design out waste and pollution in other ways. And so things like distributive manufacturing and additive manufacturing. Cool. So just before I get you to explain what those mean, um, so do you think, though, that if we have green energy and manufacturing being more streamlined, we will end up just producing more and more and more stuff and we'll just end up in the same consumer. No, so I I think, here's what I reckon. Um, (laughs) I think that all of these things are a systemic change and that it all comes down to changing people's behaviour. And so you need to inform them about the problems of capitalism and consuming lots of things before just swapping out one problem for another. Excellent. Good job, we've done an episode on that then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool, okay. Okay, so um, more big words for me here. <laughs> what do you mean by distributed and, and additive manufacturing? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because I have talked to you about these things so many times know, over the years because like, oh. I get excited about it. You're like, look at her with her interests. Oh, that's nice, dear. <laughs> look at this tree. <laughs> so... <laughs> So distributive manufacturing is making things near where they will be used. So compared to making products in centralised factories and then transporting them around the world. Um, And then additive manufacturing is creating a product by building up the materials rather than starting with the material and cutting it away. So 3D printing is a good example of both of these things because you can download a file of the design that you want and then make it locally. So whether that's at the library with their 3D printers there or if you have your own 3D printer at home. Um, And it's additive because we add raw materials until we get the final product. So they're built up layer by layer. Um, And that's instead of taking away raw materials by cutting things out of a block or a sheet. Yeah, so you um, (coughs) keep your raw materials ready to use rather than shaving them off and having a bunch of rubbish. Yeah, and the other advantage of 3D printing um, is that you can just make one thing. So you can make one customised product without having to make like a mould and then tuning out a thousand of them or a million of them or whatever. Cool. Yeah. Good. So using technology can embed sustainability into the manufacturing of a product at the very beginning. Yes. So this was one of those things that I learnt that like just blew my mind was that 80% of a product's waste can be designed out at the very beginning. And so this is obviously the designing out waste and pollution part of a circular economy. This is one of the ways that I have found to join sustainability in tech. And so for my products with Remix Plastic, I use 3D printer waste as a source material. And then I design products in a way that creates as little waste as possible. Um, And then this means that there's a small environmental footprint. Um, And laser cutting means that I can make lots of the same thing while reducing the cost of making them. And so it makes them more affordable. And so if I had to individually cut out every product, it would take so long that it would 
I'd have to charge more for them and it would restrict the number that I could make. Yeah, so it's kind of um, <coughs> bridging the gap between high-end, one-of-a-kind products and mass-produced made-in-China products. Yeah. Um, and I guess using technology in this way allows us to manufacture locally, which we might not be able to do if we couldn't do it in additive technology. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Look at you. <laughs> um, and following on from designing out waste, um, products and materials can then be made in a way that is intended to keep them in use. Um, and so this is another of the circular economy principles. Um, so a lot of these things you'll see come down to like good product design. <laughs> yeah, so um, planned ob- obsolescence. Planned obsolescence, Anthea. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> so annoying. It's so like, evil. Yeah. It's so, pretty much the anti-sustainability thing. Yeah. So planned obsolescence is when companies <clears throat> make a product that they know will break after a certain amount of time uh, because they've designed it that way mm-hmm. and they make it impossible to repair, mm-hmm. which forces you to buy another. And I mm-hmm. always think of like this boardroom with people sitting around (laughs) evil (laughs) laughing (laughs) laughing evilly and discussing how long will we give this product before it breaks yeah suckers go and buy another one yeah it's pretty infuriating excitingly there are like shifts there's like movements um there's like consumer driven movements of like right to repair so like calling companies to design things in a way that you are actually able to repair them if they break and then there's governments that are um, implementing like product stewardship things that mean that companies aren't allowed to do that but this is an example of that thing where governments are slightly behind Mm. and that planned obsolescence has probably existed for 20 years Probably. Before anybody, any government's <laughs> thought to do anything about Before it. we realised. Yeah, like, wait a minute, this is a trick. <laughs> um, a great example of a tech company fighting planned obsolescence is Fairphone, and I love these guys, but they're not available in New Zealand, to my knowledge, at the moment, um, but hopefully they will be soon. Um, they're a smartphone manufacturer that has designed the products to be modular, so they're like puzzle pieces, um, because we all know that technology changes really quickly and it gets really like it gets much better over a very short period of time. Um, as technology gets better, instead of ditching the whole phone and getting an entirely new one just so that you can have like the nicest camera you can just upgrade the parts and so you can like pop out the camera and put in a newer one and this means that there's less waste over time and that consumers have more control over how they engage with technology that sounds great it's exciting eh that sounds exciting imagine if there was that for everything well i pretty much keep my phone until it's obsolete anyway (laughs) yeah but i could keep it really until it's really imagine wow (laughs) i love it (laughs) (laughs) So that's so great and so much better for the environment in so many ways because it helps to prevent the environmental destruction from mining all of the um, metals to go into your phone. Mm -hmm. So huge, man. It's a big topic. Mm -hmm. I think it's so much to my mind. Do you like how I brought it back to like mining and trees? Yeah, (laughs) of course. (laughs) I'd expect nothing less. (laughs) Yeah, so this is a massive topic and we have actually only touched on like the tip of the iceberg um, with a few examples, but you can see why I get excited. Yeah, it's great. Now I understand it all. (laughs) (laughs) It just took sitting you down. (laughs) On the radio. On the radio, forcing (laughs) you to listen. I always listen to you. (laughs) 
cool. So from that, what is your do one challenge for this month, Helen? Okay, so I'm going to sneak two in as usual. Okay. So as usual. So my first do one challenge <coughs> on a big scale is think how you can work across industries. If there's any way that you can take your industry and integrate Bridge. sustainability, yeah. bridge it with something else. But actually, I think it is to unsubscribe from junk mail. Yeah. <laughs> that's like it's actually, easier. That's afternoon. Yeah. yeah. While watching TV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and mine is to jump onto Mutu. So this is that sharing economy app that we mentioned. Um, it's quite active in Ōtutahi in Christchurch here at the moment, uh, but it is nationwide. And so if you can jump on there and you can see what you could hire instead of buying. And then also you could look around your garage and see what you could rent out to make some money. Cool. Well, thank you to everyone for listening and thank you to Helen for joining us. Thank you. Kakitiano. So circular. You can listen to all our shows online at plainsfm.org.nz. For details on upcoming shows and links to resources we've mentioned in this episode, visit remixplastic.com. <laughs>